Go home. Go home. Go home. Welcome to the Go Home Show. It's paper review number three. I'm your host, Eric Bedore, along with my co-host, tag team partner, best friend, man of the hour, tower of power, too sweet to be sour. That was an introduction. Brian Abushakar. Brian, how you doing? Woo! Whoa, whoa. We're pulling out old wrestling references. Brian, why the old wrestling references? Because this time we are going to be reviewing something from the 1980s. Hell yes. We decided we're going to go way back. We don't want to go 2000s. We don't even mm-hmm. want to go 90s. Nope. There's some classic wrestling we need you guys to watch. Now, a lot of you guys might be a little bit younger, so you're not really growing up in that that era of the NWA, Mm-mm. WCW. Dub-C-Dub. Back when wrestling was wrestling. Yeah. Uh, things were a little bit different back then. Uh, Ric Flair was only a six-time world champion. Only six-time. <laughs> Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was in WCW. Lex Luger was a U.S. champion. <laughs> things were very different. Sting was not yet the crow, so yeah. he just looked like Jim Carrey with blonde hair. <laughs> things were different, Brian. Yeah, That's Muda what... was young. Yeah, dude. That's why we went all the way back. We went back to 1989 to pick this. This is our paper review for Great American Bash 1989. Can we have like cool guitar music play over this? Yeah, here. We'll both be guitars. Ready? I'll count down from three. Three, two, one. Great American Bash, 1989. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was sick. There's a couple of good brothers. Too sweet me for that. Too sweet. Oh, we're too sweet in each other. That Brian, this came from an era that was even before Too Sweet. Holy shit. 1989 was a great time for professional wrestling if you're not the <laughs> WWF. Um, this was a time in the WWF with... Hulk Hogan running wild, mm-hmm. a lot of Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. The, these guys are kind of a little bit older. WCW had a, a few of the older guys, mm-hmm. but a lot of really young, really hard-hitting talent yeah. and a lot of tag team wrestling. Yes. A lot of tag team wrestling. And not the tag team wrestling I think that you guys are really, really used to seeing. No. The tag team wrestling in WCW or, or NWA at the time uh, didn't rely on what you see a lot now, which is... Mm-hmm. Oh, tease the hot tag, tease the hot tag, tease the hot tag. There's the hot tag. Yeah. Clean house, clean house, clean house, finish. These are like longer form, Mm -hmm. back and forth, ebb and flows. Yeah. Also, some of the best managers of all time. Absolutely. Jim Cornette. Oh, man. And Paulie Dangerously. Man. Who is Paul Heyman back in the 80s. The psycho yuppie is what his gimmick (laughs) was. great gimmick. He had... The long hair, he was balding a little bit on top. He had uh like the full white suits, uh-huh. Miami Vice style yeah. with a huge cell phone. Which I'm pretty sure was a home cell phone. Yeah, dude. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. It was just a mobile phone. That's what I mean. Yeah, like one of your cordless phones that you had at home in the 80s. Yep. See, we're going way back. This is why we wanted to pick Great American Bash. Yeah. We want you guys to watch some real classic wrestling. Mm-hmm. And we have this in the bank. So now when you're like, oh man, Eric's out of town and Brian can't be at the podcast, don't worry because we're going to put this up and you're going to be like, oh, this is a week where Eric must have been out of town or Brian couldn't do the podcast. Yeah. Boom. Banking it. Nice. Too sweet, too sweet me for the banking it. Uh, that's right. We're a couple of big hoots over here. Thank you, Sasha Banks, for letting us bank it. We're banking it. The hashtag Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks, we know you're listening to this. We know that you love the great American bash. Follow you on Tumblr. Hell yeah. Do you follow her on Tumblr? Yeah. Me too. She posts <laughs> She posts a lot of really good wrestling stuff, and then she's like, check out this makeup. And I'm like, oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, cool makeup. And it's like, oh, yeah, check, check me out at Anime Boston. Why are you at Anime Boston? <laughs> <laughs> she posts a lot of Sailor Moon pictures. She's way into Sailor Moon. Yep. Uh, but Brian, let's, without further ado, mm-hmm. let's get into Great American Bash 99. You guys can watch this on the WWE Network. Yeah. Or, if you don't want to go on the WWE Network, you don't have it, Daily Motion That's right. has it put up in four different parts. So, part one, two, three, four, watch it, listen to this, let us know what you think. You can email us, show at mega64.com. Always want to hear what you guys think, even if yep. we don't have it at the time of this recording. We want to know what you think about this, because we'll probably talk about it on the next show. Yeah. Because uh, now that we're not reviewing SmackDown, haha, plenty of time. Yes. Love it. Great American Bash has 
the best intro I've ever seen. Oh, probably, yeah. Brian watched this and went, I feel like I'm playing a Nintendo. Yeah. It has, like, MIDI guitar <laughs> and an American flag and just, like, these square video things moving. Oh, my God. It's like, check out these past highlights. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, it is a fucking awesome <laughs> 1980s intro. It's it's what everything tries to replicate, and like when you're making fun of the '80s, but yeah. no one can get down because it all just looks like parody. Mm-hmm. This is like so genuine because whoever made it went, dude, we fucking nailed it. Yep, dude, we fucking nailed it. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> but that's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like that kind of intro. It, Me too. It definitely lets like it sets the tone for what you're about to see. Oh, absolutely. Which is some old school wrestling. Some wrestling here. We get into the event and immediately, me and Brian had to pause because there's a. Ticker at the bottom that says, uh, presented to you as complete as it could be because there's technical difficulties throughout the show. We paused it and went, should we try, should we watch this? I guess so. We're, but you know what? We want to stick with it because mm-hmm. it's a longer pay-per-view. We figured there weren't going to be a lot of technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. And there weren't. There were no. only a little bit in that first matchup. Yeah. Um, the first thing you'll notice is that there are two rings. <laughs> WCW at the time with uh-huh. NWA was doing something called War Games, uh-huh. which I had never heard about. Is dumb as hell, and you will hear about that. Find it online. I mm-hmm. guarantee you will find people online going, "Dude, they should bring back War Games." No, they shouldn't. If you think you should, they should bring back War Games. Get out. Uh, get out. I had never seen War Games before. Uh huh. I I've never watched anything before 1995 unless it's been on the network. Mm-hmm. And when War Games came up, I just went, okay, this is, uh, this is not good. (laughs) There's two rings. So immediately it's off-putting to what you're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And they're right next to each other. They are. So the matches take place and you'll see this throughout the night. The matches will take place in one ring or the other ring or both rings. Can you get counted out if you're in the other ring? I don't think so. No, apparently it just continues into the other ring. Very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Yeah. And, and it just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It's so different yeah. that it's not different in a good way. It's just more of a regular thing. Yeah. And and these are the, th- the, the types of things, like I was telling Eric throughout watching this pay-per-view, but these were the types of things that made me not switch over to WCW yep. even in the 90s. Yeah. Brian didn't watch WCW in the 90s. Not I, at all. I watched as much professional wrestling as I could. Mm-hmm. I tuned into fucking like Thunder and Shotgun Saturday Night. I, I mean, I watched anything jacked, metal, heat, velocity. I watched if, heat. If there was any mm-hmm. wrestling program, mm-hmm. I did my best to tape it if I wasn't home or watch it. Yeah. Uh, I was obsessed, and I still am, yeah. obsessed with professional wrestling. I'll watch anything that's on. Yeah. Uh, I was that way with only WWF. That's so funny. I would watch anything WCW, WWF. Mm-hmm. I watched ECW until my dad told me I couldn't, and then uh, I and then I would watch it anyway. Yeah, of course. So it was. It's funny because I remember seeing War Games type stuff and seeing like a lot of highlights, but I didn't have the pay per views or anything. Yeah, of course. So I didn't get to see those until I was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Until I rented tapes from Blockbuster and stuff, or got yeah. into tape trading. Yeah. War Games never was interesting to me. Mm-mm. It just seemed like bigger for the sake of being bigger. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the night. You'll remember, like, oh, yeah, there are two rings here. Okay. And then there are a couple spots where you're like, well, you just came up, you went, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did a spot from this ring to this other ring? And then they would do it, and that, yeah. would, and that would be it. And, mm-hmm. I guess it. and I guess it was cool. Whatever. It just seemed kind of forced. I, I agree. It, it's strange when that's not even your main event, and you have, like, the two rings for the whole show. The really whole, bizarre. The whole show. So the beginning, the first match, utilizes both rings. Yeah. In what is a... Two-ring King of the Hill Battle Royal. And what does that entail? A two-ring King of the King of the Hill Battle Royal entails everybody starting in one ring. Yeah. And then getting thrown over the top rope to the second ring. Right. And then you're the last one standing in the first ring. Uh-huh. You're good. You hang out. Yeah, you just chill there. Everyone's in the second ring. <laughs> now you have to eliminate people from the second ring. Uh-huh. And then if you are the person who's not eliminated, you're the last one standing in the second ring. Uh-huh. You and the person in the first ring have a match to determine who's king of the hill. We'll get into that. Oh, yeah. Let's go through this roster All right. of incredible talent that NWA WCW had in 1989. <clears throat> the games master, Kevin Sullivan. 
Captain Mike Rotunda, who we will point out is the father of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, always funny to see that because he's he's also Erwin R. Scheister or yeah. IRS, who is uh, part of the Million Dollar Corporation. Uh, Terry Gordy is there. Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. Flying Brian Pillman. Scott Hall. Now, here's the thing. You might be watching this and you'll go, I didn't see Scott Hall. Yes, you did. You didn't recognize Scott you Hall. Did not at all. Scott Hall has blonde hair and a mustache and rustles in like cowboy boots. It's awesome. If you watch this during the intros when everyone's coming down to the ring, Brian Pillman is walking. He is, he's the buffer, t- like shorter guy in orange trunks. Yeah. So that's, that's Brian Pillman, the loose cannon in WWF later. Yeah. While he's walking to the ring, there's a guy walking right behind him. That's Scott Hall. It's weird. What a different look. Totally different. Dude. 89, man. Yep. We also have Bill Irwin, mm-hmm. Ranger Ross, both of the Steiner brothers, Ron Simmons, who would later go on to be Farouk, uh, Dan Spivey, Dr. Death, and Sid Vicious, before he was Psycho Sid. Uh, Brian, what do you think of that roster? That's a stacked roster. That's for that's a lot know. of, that's like a lot of undercard talent. Mm-hmm. A lot of undercard mm-hmm. talent. Uh, and a couple of those names really go on to be like bigger guys. Yeah. A lot uh, of them, actually. Yeah, I, I recognize I recognize pretty much everyone right off the bat. Bill Irwin, I wasn't too familiar with. I never really liked Dan Spivey, mm-hmm. uh, but everyone else I kind of knew by name. Yeah. Uh, the first two people eliminated in this match, Ranger Ross gets tossed from the first ring to the second ring. Yeah. And then Ron Simmons is tossed from the first ring to the second ring. Mm. Sorry, every black competitor in this entire pay-per-view. You are the first ones out of here. Bye. Not only were Ranger Ross and Ron Simmons tossed from the first ring to the second ring, Ron Simmons was the first man eliminated yep. through the whole thing. Bummer. Come on, man. First NWA champion. Uh, what, he he is the first black NWA yeah. champion, Ron Simmons. Mm-hmm. So he goes on to do great things, and then he's Farouk. He's in the Acolytes. He's in the APA. Yeah. And now he has a shirt that says, Damn! Damn. And he's in the Hall of Fame, I think. I believe so. I'm not sure, probably. He, well, he will be. Yeah. Uh, either way, sorry, all you black guys. Uh, I have another note here. Look at Scott Hall. Just just, just look at him. Just look at him. And I was pointing out to Brian, I'm like, dude, look at Scott Hall. And like, I had already explained what he looked like, and Brian went, I can't find him. I couldn't. I, he <laughs> he's the so... guy with blonde hair. Uh, they were all blonde. <laughs> if you weren't black, you were blonde. <laughs> um, We see... A little bit of the technical difficulties here mm-hmm. where there's like four or five guys in the one ring and then all of a sudden there are 10 guys in the, one, <laughs> the other ring and you're just like, oh, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, we work our way down the last two men mm-hmm. in the first ring, flying Brian Pillman and Sid Vicious. Now at this point, Sid Vicious was pretty over with the crowd. Yeah. He was supposed to be a heel, mm-hmm. but the crowd loved him, mm-hmm. which is it's weird, but you kept pointing out, you're like, that's just a sign of the times. Yeah. Like, when you have a big guy like that, that was so unique and so different back in, like, that yeah. 80s style of wrestling, yeah. like, moving into, like, the 90s. Mm-hmm. He's just a big slugger. Yeah. And you're right, people cheered him just because he was a big slugger. Yeah. Brian Pillman being the other guy there made me think, like, WCW saw something in him, and then there was, like, a weird booking thing that happened over, like, the next couple of years, because I feel like he never really moved yeah. up. He was in the Hollywood Blondes with Steve Austin, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, he had opportunities, but I feel like they saw something in him when he was so young, and then never really kind of gave him the ball yeah. to run with it. He is tossed over into the other ring yes. by Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, everyone's eliminated. So Sid Vicious is in ring one. It works its way down to, uh, I think, Dan Spivey, Dr. Death, and Mike Rotunda. Yeah. Mike Rotunda gets eliminated. Mm-hmm. Then he kind of, like, hooks Dr. Death's leg, and Dr. Death is distracted, gets tossed over the top rope by Dan Spivey. Here's the issue. Right. Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious are tag team partners. Yeah. They are a tag team known as the Skyscrapers. Brian, who are the Skyscrapers managed by? Uh, Teddy Long. Theodore R. Long. Theodore R. Long. Who's looking real fucking rough around oh, the edges man. in 1989. Oh, man. He is, he, his hair, what he, what little he has is slicked back. Uh-huh. He's wearing a suit that looks a little, uh, cheap. Uh-huh. He's wearing some, uh, some blue blockers. <laughs> He's, uh, missing some teeth. Some. <laughs> 
Okay, do you think he has more teeth than he's missing? Or do you think he's missing more teeth than he has? I think he was missing more teeth than he had. <laughs> Theodore Arlong gets in the ring and says there's no way that his two clients are going to be wrestling each other to risk injury. They're going to take the $50,000. Oh, by the way, there was a $50,000 prize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to take the $50,000. They're going to split it. Yeah. And they're both going to be the king of the hill in this two-ring king of the hill yes. elimination battle royale. Yes. So, Teddy Long walks off with a very plastic, cheap-looking crown. That crown he would hang on to the rest of the night. Let everyone know that uh, his clients are the triple crown winners, even though that's not what they are. Uh At no point was Mm -mm. triple crown specified. Teddy Long just kind of hung on to the term triple crown and went, that's it. Yeah, uh, this match was meant to decide one winner. There was not one winner. Brian was very upset. We watched it and Brian went, well, so who won? What was the point of this match? <laughs> well, no one won. They decided they're not going to have the match, the one-on-one match. They're not going to risk injury because they're tag team yeah, partners. so they're not going to finish the match. Right. So so why book a match? Because they're so dominant individually, they must be so dominant as a tag team. Oh, okay. which Which we will go on to see later as they also have a tag team <laughs> match. <laughs> the booking here is a little bizarre uh yeah to say the least it's really strange but uh, like a lot of this pay-per-view is fun if it's a little slow Mm because we're used to a lot faster pacing with matches and everything Mm -hmm. these matches had like a lot more time all of them had a lot more time to breathe the card was smaller Mm -hmm. so these matches were longer so that's something you kind of had to go in with, with like the mindset and also understand you're not going to recognize every single person Absolutely. you see here. Uh, because 1989 WCW, you're going to recognize a lot of guys, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. That's WCW. Uh, so next we get that backstage theater along promo where he's missing teeth and, and he's yelling about being triple crown winners. Uh, Gordon Sully backstage. That's uh, right. Who Jim Ross calls the greatest announcer of all time. I would disagree. Who's the greatest announcer of all time? Jim Ross. I absolutely agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jim Ross is calling this pay-per-view. That's right. And uh and uh Bill, Bill Capra? I I can catch do- his name. Doesn't matter. He kept the, screwing things up. It, it's not so much that he was screwing things up, it's just that there was so much unintentional innuendo. <laughs> oh my god. Like to the point where me and Brian would like stop watching the screen and just look at each other and go, he didn't mean you just mm. gotta watch your wording here, yeah. man. Oh, these two guys are just gonna gang up and Get in on this on this other guy for two whole minutes. Okay. Uh-huh. They're going to double team him for two minutes. Okay. All right. We got to stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's Thanks. taking a real pounding here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stuff like that where you go, it, look, it's already like a little walk. Like wrestling's already walking that line where uh, you're like, it's already kind of ripe for gay jokes. Yep. We don't need no. that also. Mm-mm. God, man. Like mm. it's hard to be above it when like. <laughs> Everything about it is like such like a grade school. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, Jim Ross calling the show, pretty good. Yeah, it's he's good old Jr. Yep. He, uh, what you'll notice throughout is that they call the match. Yeah. I will say the detriment to that is that there's not really much buildup for the main event. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they don't talk about matches that are going to be coming up like later in the show, mm-hmm. building those things within the show. So the show is self-contained Which in is a good. sense. Yeah. But also you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of figuring out what's happening here mm. through promos that are happening right before the matches. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. Mm-hmm. It's like watching a 70s movie. Yeah. When you watch a 70s movie, it really leaves it up to the viewer to right. like kind of fill in the blanks mm-hmm. and uh it's a little fuzzy on who's doing what, why. Yeah. But you kind of put it together halfway yeah. through and then when it's kind of like near the end, you go I got it. Yeah. I clicked. Yeah. That's pretty much what this whole pay-per-view was yeah. to me. And and that's that's what's really interesting about this, because back then it was really... I mean, there were no weekly episodic wrestling shows. Yeah. It was just pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So you were following along and reading all the dirt sheets and magazines and whatever and following them in the different territories. So it wasn't really that big of a deal Mm-mm. if you didn't know what was going on until that show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nowadays you have pay-per-views that... Like, whenever people ask us, hey, what, what's a good time to start watching wrestling? I'll always say, if we have a pay-per-view this weekend, watch that or watch the last one and then just go from there. Yep. Because they sum it 
all up before the match. It's like it's like comic books. It builds to a climax, and mm-hmm. then it hits that climax, and then it has to kind of bow back down to build back up to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like a movie or a musical. Everything kind of builds to like this climax mm-hmm. tension point and then goes back down and then builds and goes back down. So if you ever if you're ever wondering like where do I jump in? Pay-per-view. Yeah. That that's that's what I would say. Always yeah. a pay-per-view. Um next match, our first uh one-on-one matchup of the evening. Yeah. Flying Brian Pillman against uh Bill Irwin. Brian, what would you think of the look of Bill Irwin? Uh he looked weathered and old. <laughs> Bill Irwin looked like he just got done rustling some cattle uh-huh. to come in here and wrestle this professional wrestling <laughs> matchup. He got he had a he had jeans and a big old belt buckle. Yep. And uh he was wearing like cattle rustling gloves. Uh he had a big old mustache yep. and his mullet. Man, some interesting hair choices in the late 80s. A lot of it was long. Yep. Don't get that. Nope. Uh Brian Pillman, his whole gimmick, I think at this point, because he was still really pretty new to wrestling was his gimmick at this point was i was a cincinnati bangle guys listen look at my tights i was a cincinnati bangle yeah guys there you go i don't think i'm excuse me i don't think i've made it clear uh <laughs> i have played for the Bengals, and the Bengals play in cincinnati these are their colors i'm wearing them as i was one at one point Yes. Uh, I felt like that was his only gimmick. Yeah. Uh, well, and again, it was before he had a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. You could tell he was pretty green, mm-hmm. pretty new to the sport. But that being said, I think that Brian Pillman at this point was so athletically gifted yeah. that he could really pick up and learn so easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just looked like these drop kicks are big and this crossbody is big and he's flying over the top rope. And oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay, that'll get him over for a while until he develops personality. And I yeah. feel like it really did. The crowd liked oh, him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite part of this whole match is when uh, the other announcer said that Bill Irwin weighed in at 250 pounds. Ta- yeah, 250. <laughs> Instead of 250 pounds. Just all night missing stuff like that. <laughs> no no dequalifications. Mm-hmm. No dequalifications? Uh, uh, Bill Bill Irwin does Seamus' move. Yeah. One beat of the Bowery. <laughs> uh not much of a match here i thought it was okay i yeah. didn't love it it was pretty slow had Irwin kind of in control lead i felt like he was really leading pillman and then pillman would hit like some moves and everything yeah the finish i liked uh which is pillman flying from the second ring turnbuckle mm-hmm. to the inside of the first ring in a cross body and he gets bill Irwin one two three uh any other notes from that match no. it was it hey you know what it's an opening one-on-one kind of contest. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of building these younger guys. Well, yeah. building that younger guy yeah. and putting a seasoned vet in there who can take a beating and, and do this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Sell uh, him, make him look big. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, there's like a little bit more of this as, as we keep going. And, yeah. and But you have to understand that, again, yeah, there's no raw Mm-mm. week in and week out. Mm-mm. So you have to build on the card, low on the card. Yeah. WCW had a lot of that uh, in the 80s and the 90s. Well, like up until like the mid nineties, yeah, where their undercard was kind of weak. Mm-hmm. It was always fun, yeah. but it was kind of weak. And then their main events, like their top four main events, were like fucking stellar. Yeah, like awesome matches where you're just like, oh, I loved it. Oh, this is great. Definitely WC- the case this time. Yeah, exactly. WCW in like the late nineties had exactly the opposite, uh-huh. where they had four stellar undercard matches, and then like <laughs> like the main events, like the semi mains and the mains, were yeah. like, oh, I don't even want to watch this. <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan against Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Ultimate Warrior, or something like that. Oh, and man, you're like, it's like twenty years removed. Yeah, it is, and it's like, oh, what is this? Nineteen ninety seven. Oh fuck. <sighs> rough. Damn. Uh, after the Brian Pillman Bur- Bill Irwin match, we get a uh, Polly Dangerously promo. Brian Polly Dangerously looks really familiar. Oh, that's Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, the psycho yuppie with his big cell phone, wearing a tuxedo. Yep. Brian, why is he wearing a tuxedo? Because he's in a fight. Jim Cornette uh-huh. in a tuxedo match. It's a tuxedo match tonight. Manager versus manager. He knows that Jim Cornette blew out his knee in 1986 Starcade. And he knows that it's not all right. Mm-mm. And he's going to go after that knee tonight in their tuxedo match. Okay, promo. Paul Heyman's always a good talker. Oh, yeah. This next match, hot damn. Brian, oh we God. get the dynamic dudes. Uh-huh. Johnny and Shane. <laughs> They come out, wow, 
This, these guys are neon. They're high-fiving. Mm-hmm. They got Frisbees. These guys are definitely from California. Absolutely. Abs- they must be. Look at how they're dressed. Mm-hmm. Not only do they look like they're from California, they also play Frisbee with a fat kid, which is <laughs> all we do in California. Throwing the old Frisbee around <laughs> with a fat kid in the crowd. Brian, you know that's all we do. Oh, yeah. So they come out. They're throwing frisbees around they're having a good time they're throwing frisbees to the crowd they're taking off their neon shorts and the crowd's going nuts and then here come the skyscrapers triple crown winner theodore r long is accompanying the now they both have twenty five thousand dollars because they split it Mm -hmm. these men these thousandaires these triple crown winners the skyscrapers are coming out to dominate yep they can't they're they're gonna take it to the dynamic dudes who if you don't recognize are the franchise shane douglas yep and johnny ace john laurinitis franchise there you go so uh that is the dynamic dudes it was yeah skyscrapers of uh psycho sid or sid vicious and dan spivey uh there's a peanut head chant for theodore arlong (laughs) don't understand it nope this to me is the same as uh, the Miz starting those walrus chants for Paul Heyman that lasted like a couple of months. Oh God, those people chanted people chanted walrus at Paul Heyman. I feel like if you go back and watch that, you're just like, why are they chanting walrus? That's embarrassing. There you go. So that's that's that. Uh, this I called bad haircuts. The match. <laughs> uh, nobody had nice no, hair. Everyone did. had shitty fucking hair. Yes, ugly as hell hair. The big storytelling thing in this match is that uh the dynamic dudes were getting pushed around shoved around because these these skyscrapers were so big that's right they were beating the hell out of them the crowd fucking loves sid vicious like crazy they fucking love sid vicious every time they think he's gonna get tagged in they're going nuts and chanting we want sid yeah Every t- every time dan spivey gets tagged in they boo the shit out of him <laughs> they hate dan spivey don't get it I don't know. They're, at one point, the sky the skyscrapers go for a double clothesline, which I think is like their finish or something. Yeah. But then like Johnny ducks and they clothesline each other, and Sid sells it by like kind of spinning in a circle. It was weird. It was really funny. But then the dudes take advantage. But then here come the skyscrapers back on a tear. Uh huh. They're oh what a slam! They double team slam, and now Dan Spivey's gonna power. But oh fuck! Don't break his oh, neck. God. Oh god. Dan Spivey blew the finish of this match so bad in a powerbomb that looked so fucking scary. Jesus. Didn't get him up all the way. No. Almost dropped him on his fucking neck. Absolutely. And then just held him down by the hands for the one, two, three. That was the worst powerbomb I think I've ever seen. That match was a little weird. It was. Um, It's fun to see Sid Vicious that young mm-hmm. and like that excited. He's mm-hmm. like really playing to the crowd and everything, but I never really liked him that much. Me, me neither. No. No. Yeah. So whatever. dynamic dudes. Sorry, sorry you had to eat the loss. I know you guys were out there being dynamic. Sorry, Johnny. Yep. Next time, Johnny. Next time. Uh next we get a Jim Cornette promo. He's uh he's fired up about this tuxedo match that's coming up next. That's right. I, I like his promo. Me too. Uh, I like I like Jim Cornette when he's young like that before he's uh so fucking bitter oh now. Oh my god. And like everything's a shoot promo that he does online. It's it's dumb. all he does now. Yeah, I know. I just heard one. <laughs> Uh, so now we have Polly Dangerously against Jim Cornette in a tuxedo match. Mm-hmm. Their uh, Polly Dam- Dangerously's ring music is like Phantom of the Opera shit. <laughs> the crowd explodes for Jim Cornette. Yeah, they fucking love him. That that they, they love him. That's what it was back then. So crazy. Jim Cornette, man, he is the name of the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a crowd in the sign. Or there's a sign in the crowd that says NWA is number one. WWF stinks, but I assume it says WWF stinks because it's blocked out on the WWE network. It is. <laughs> I, now, that I don't funny. know. Is that because they retained the rights to that? I, I think at the time they had edited this when WWF wasn't a, a copyright that they could use. Yeah, and then they just went, "Don't fucking who cares? Just don't take yeah. it back. Just fucking put it. Just put it. Put up. it out. It they matter. they went. No one's gonna watch this. That's why you're wrong. Yes." Vince, I know you're listening to this, and that's where you're wrong. Yes. Vince. Vince. Listen. listen Vince, we love old wrestling, mm-hmm. Vince, and we know you're listening to this, and you need to wake up and put WWF back on stuff. You maroon. Vince McMahon, you billionaire, you. Take that. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> so uh, Jim Cornette, right in the get-go of this match, gets powder in the eyes and then a phone to the knee. <laughs> This match is probably the most quickly paced match of the entire night. Yeah. 
I love this match. Mm-hmm. I had so much fun Me watching too. this match. It was ridiculous. I didn't think I was going to. Me neither. Loved every second of yep. it. Had such a good time. Mm-hmm. I feel like Paul Heyman couldn't figure out which knee to attack, so he just attacked both knees. Oh yeah. He he's kept like forgetting. He's it like left right leg, knee. right like ne- left. Uh, Fuck get, it, both knees. Both knees. Uh, they take a lot of bumps, but they take big manager bumps, mm-hmm. which is like flailing their arms and like keeping one foot on the ground. Yep. It's so funny. <sighs> It's hilarious. But it's fun. They brawl, like, outside the ring, and Paul Heyman's all cocky and, like, taunting Jim Cornette to, like, get back in the ring. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was. I had a, I had, that was a surprisingly fun match. I had a really, really good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paulie dangerously misses the elbow drop, and then Jim Cornette hulks up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then Paul Heyman powders himself and gets stripped. So he's in his blue underwear and running to the back, so oh fast. God. I thought it was hilarious. That was such a funny match. I, I had a really good time mm-hmm. and the cr- I think what made it for me was like the crowd was super into oh, it. Oh yeah. The crowd for this Baltimore, Maryland, 89, great job. Good job. You guys, you guys fucking killed it. If you were there and you're listening to this podcast, give what are you doing? Give yourself a pat on the back. You're like, you're probably way older than we are. <laughs> <laughs> um for more tuxedo match action, if you want to see more tuxedo matches, uh no Way Out 2012 is the only other one that I can recommend because it's the only other one I can think of. That is Santino versus Ricardo Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. There yeah, you go. I remember that. So go ahead and check out No Way Out 2012 if you want to see another tuxedo match. Yeah, I guess so, if you want to. Feel free. Next, we have a Gary Hart promo. He's talking about the great Muda. He's the Pearl of the Orient in Japan's greatest athlete. Brian, mm-hmm. issues? Uh, Yeah. Uh, the Orient and Japan are not the same place. <laughs> Brian, Brian, listen. Fucking, I'm from goddamn Virginia, and I'm not listening to this bullshit. A goddamn Orient Pearl Japanese mm-hmm. man come in with his face all painted up, spitting green mist like they all them do out in Japan Orient. No. That's what I feel like Great Muda's gimmick is. It's not the same. In 1989. Nobody understands, because all you know is Deep South, Memphis, uh-huh. and wrestling. Uh-huh. So when this Asian guy comes in, you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's the Orient. <laughs> In Japan. <laughs> Loved it. Love it. Uh, Love the great Muda. So I'm excited to see him wrestle later tonight. Yep. Uh, Varsity Club comes out next. Yes. Uh, the Varsity Club is Games Master Kevin Sullivan. Games Master. He's the master of all the games. Brian, name a game. Uh, Othello. He's the master of it. Name another game. Uh, Scrabble. He's also the master of that game. Brian, name another game. Uh, Mousetrap. I've made it clear he is the master of all those games kevin sullivan games master he is he's teaming up with uh mike rotunda mm-hmm. brian looking at mike rotunda what do you think uh, upper body looks like bray wyatt lower body looks like bo dallas <laughs> it is the weirdest thing the, ever he's the best of both worlds yep. <laughs> he's wearing that syracuse orange oh my god real bright orange uh, the steiners are coming down rick and scott mm-hmm. uh this is a tornado tag match right rick and scott uh are accompanied to the ring by the first lady professional wrestling i think is what they say uh-huh. uh missy hyatt uh-huh. as well as a dog a bloodhound there's a dog why is there a bloodhound brian listen kevin sullivan's the games All master right. uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a dog uh-huh. this is no there's no time for games here uh-huh. oh, okay and that's why we get the finish that we get all right see this is a texas tornado tag match which means no tags necessary mm-hmm. if you love wrestling there's something for you in this match if you love dudes beating the shit out of each other on the outside of this ring yep there's something for you in this match. If you love both at the same time, you love this match. Yep. The dog-faced gremlin Rick Steiner and, <laughs> and the games master Kevin Sullivan taking each other to task outside while Scott Steiner, the more technical of the two, yeah. and Mike Rotunda, Jesus. the more technical of the two, uh. going at it on the inside. Yep. Belly to belly, suplexes, headlocks, shooting off the rope. Lots of fun. The Steiners are fucking strong as hell. Yeah. They are lifting dudes. Holy shit. Fucking nuts. They look good. This match is quickly out of control. Rick Steiner no-sells a chair shot to the head. Yeah. Because his gimmick at this point is that he's a little fucking loony. Yep. Just Love a it. little. He's he's a little kooky, and you're not quite sure. Wearing an amateur wrestling cap. Yep. It's, like... it's so funny. Oh, man. It's so weird. Um, There is a point where Rick Steiner goes for a sunset flip on Kevin Sullivan. Oh, Kevin no. Sullivan doesn't go over into uh-uh. the sunset flip. So Rick Steiner headbutts his dick like oh, four times. God. That is so, so funny. There, there's also a spot, I think, with Rick Steiner getting mm. um, with that crotched. crotched on a very thin guardrail 
Which you can tell he was not selling. He uh, he actually got hit in the dick. You can tell, like he's like walking around like holding his dick for like two more minutes, and you know it hurt, it hurts so oh, fucking fuck. bad. Yep. Uh, I think the uh, the main event player, the highlight of this match <laughs> is definitely the referee. Oh, absolutely. How do you ref this match? I don't. He even is know. everywhere. He doesn't miss any spots. No. He's all over the place. There for the counts. He, he's there for every single count. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm so proud of that referee. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, the end comes with a crossbody on a double pin on Sullivan. Sullivan lifts, uh, Rick Steiner up into like kind of a, a, a world's strongest slam position. Yeah. And then, uh, Scott Steiner comes off the top rope, body splash. They both pin Kevin Sullivan. Yep. One, two, three, as is legal. Cause it's a Texas tornado tag. Match. Absolutely. Uh, that is the Steiners getting a win. <laughs> Next. We have any other notes from that match? No. Okay. I didn't think so. No. That, that match, no. that match is so short and so like chaotic holy shit yeah. it's everywhere i had such awesome. a good time mm-hmm. uh sting promo backstage sting's all amped up he's trying he's trying to stay cool-headed but the stinger can't do it that's right he's amped hot hot stuff eddie gilbert in the back with him saying i've been with sting for the last three oh, hours God. man he's pumped he's pumped yeah eddie gilbert hype man i wish that i looked like eddie gilbert no, you don't that guy that guy has such a look sleeveless white sting teeth <laughs> bright red 49ers cap they're in baltimore (laughs) that was my favorite part why was he wearing a 49ers hat wrestling tights from the waist down oh man it was great holy shit he looked so 80s and 90s it was disgusting it was perfect yes hot stuff eddie gobert trying to keep sting cool sting's all amped man sting doesn't know what to do so next match we have sting coming down to the ring with hot stuff eddie gobert we also have the great muda the Pearl of the Orient from Japan. Stupid. He comes down with Gary Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a World Television Championship match. Brian, what did you think of this match? I thought it was, like, really fun. Yeah. Very surprised at how Sting used to wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, and really impressed by Muda. Yeah. Uh, I'd never seen him wrestle. I'd only heard of him, like, much, much later. Um, but, man... These guys were jumping around, flying, doing a lot of really, really fun moves. In the middle of a wrestling program, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. High flying and stuff at this time was, like, unheard of. Yeah, it was you, just you know coming I mean? in. Yeah. So, all the stuff that Great Mood is doing, mm-hmm. diving off the top rope, that moonsault, like, yeah. no one, people had, like, never seen a moonsault. He did a moonsault and landed on his feet. Yep. You know, in 89, mm-hmm. that's, like, whoa. Really cool match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that they worked at, like, such a high pace. Yeah, and they're both guys who look like their conditioning is so like super, like superb. Yeah, they they don't look like they're gonna tire out, and it was a good match. I liked it a lot. The yeah. crowd was super hot for it. I like when Sting kind of like no sells from time to time. Mm-hmm. I get if he does it like too much in a match, it's like all right, let's fucking move on. Right. But when he does it like pretty early in a match, I'm just like, okay, this is believable. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Um, there's a, there's like a woman in the crowd that keeps flipping off the great Buddha <laughs> when there's like a, like an abdominal stretch. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. That was yeah. Really good heel play. He grabbed the ropes, mm-hmm. like distracting the ref. Yep, it was a lot of a lot of really good stuff from the, uh, Muda. The ref gets red misted after Muda goes to the outside, comes back in. He's gonna red mist Sting. He's gonna spit it out. It's yes. like what Tajiri did, mm-hmm. uh, but Muda did it first. Uh, he red mists the referee. Mm. Oh, referee's on the outside. Oh, what are we gonna do? Then he hits Sting with a moonsault. <gasps> Another ref comes in, but he comes in a little bit too late because yep. now Sting's got a little bit of time to recover. One, two. Oh, oh Sting, Sting kicks out really, really close. Uh, Sting hits a bridging back suplex with a pin. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. But there's controversy. Because it, it looked a little muddy. It looks like Muda got his elbow up, but it looks like Sting put his shoulders down. So who's getting pinned and what's happening? It's for the Sting's television title. So Jim, we don't know. Jim Ross keeps talking about, let's see the replay. Oh, we can't tell from the replay. It's controversy. Gary Hart and Great Muda take the title and run away. <laughs> just through the crowd. They book it. They just grab the title and they leave. Yep. It's like, what, what are we supposed to... Uh, Eddie Gilbert comes in, doesn't stop anyone, just keeps raising Sting's hand. Uh, the crowd chants bullshit. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think of that match? Overall, that, liked it? I liked it, yeah. Very cool. It was cool. my favorite match so far of the night. I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this next match was, uh, became my favorite match after that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lex Luger promo. Backstage, cutting a pretty decent promo. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, yeah, it was great. And then he fucked it all up. Because <laughs> that's what he does. That's uh, Lex Luger. I was, like, in the middle of writing, oh, man, Lex Luger cutting a pretty good... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
He, uh, he's Lex Luger. Uh, what do you expect? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Lex Luger. This is for the United States Championship. It will be contested under no disqualification rules, which is what Lex Luger is saying. He said, I, I have all the lawyers. I don't want to defend my title under no disqualification rules. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is uh, accompanied to the ring by his beautiful family, That's as the right. announcer says. Mm-hmm. But um, he's holding something. Brian, what's he holding? A uh, badass kimono dragon. But hang on, Brian. It's uh, not just a badass kimono dragon. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I should have said the reason why he's badass is he's wearing a studded leather vest. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The dragon. <laughs> the real one. The one that's an actual reptile. <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing. He's carrying this kimono dragon out and it has like a studded vest on. Yeah. And you're like, I guess that's cool yeah Yeah, it's real cool i love it (laughs) he's being carried on like some platform by like eight guys yeah and then like he's holding like this dragon up and the komodo dragon is just kind of like it looks so fucking sedated Uh uh-huh it just looks like it's going just fucking just kill me Uh it's fine i don't need to keep going just kill me (laughs) he's wearing a leather vest lex luger comes out next don't worry brian he's not carrying uh, a dragon. That's right. He's on a spinning pedestal. Mm-hmm. Well, he's on a pedestal. Well, it was spinning. It spun for a second, and then he tried to get it to spin again. And with it like, didn't... no. So he just kind of turned around. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love about wrestling sometimes. When you try to do something grandiose, but you do it on such a low budget, yep. what do you expect? Mm-hmm. What do you expect? <laughs> That's it. It was great. So Luger comes down after not spinning. Yep. Uh, he goes up to uh, the referee mm-hmm. and the uh, the official, I think the commissioner, and he says, I'm not having this match. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yeah. If this is an ODQ match, no way. Change it. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat says, okay, we're going to do this. Straight match, me and you one-on-one. All right. I honestly think that kind of match favors Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Me too. But Lex Luger, being the master genius he is, yeah. has something up his sleeve. Mm. Uh, Luger sells really well for Steamboat at the beginning of this match. He does. Uh, and then there's a USFL reference, which if you're, uh, not born in the seventies is the United States football league, which was a competitor to the NFL. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. There you go. Holy shit. USFL didn't stay around for so long. Mm-mm. Around for a little while. Not, not too long. No. Yeah. Obviously the crowd's really cheering for Luger. Yeah. Getting over is like a face because I think they like his look and they like mm-hmm. what he does in the ring because he's like a big hot tag kind of guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Luger played such a heel in this match. Man. I was like super impressed. It was like really fun to watch him uh, be a heel. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. He wasn't quiet. He was yelling at the crowd. Yeah. He was yelling at the ref. Yep. He was getting people's faces. He was cheating. He was running away. Yeah. Like, and then he would come in and just clean house and you're like, oh, this guy's a dick. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I love they it. They fight in both rings. It's good. Good for them. Getting in the ref's face, asking yep. him to uh, count faster. And I love when refs count like normal. Mm-hmm. And then the heel goes, no, count faster. Mm-hmm. And then the ref counts fast for the other guy yep. as a, hey, I'm in charge. I love that. I thought that was yep. a really cool spot. Yep. He pins Ricky Dragon Steamboat twice. He goes, oh, one, two, three. Count one, two, three. And then Dragon pins him. One, two. And it was like, oh, shit, that was a really fast yep. count. Yep, it was great. I like that a lot. Good storytelling. Really, really good storytelling of, like, the face and the heel mm-hmm. and uh, Luger just being such a heel through this whole match. I really liked it. Uh, Luger brings a chair in. He's going to use it on Steamboat, but then he gets tossed into it, and then Steamboat grabs the chair. The ref says, no, this isn't no DQ. Don't use it. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat just wails on Luger with that chair. On him. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, he's DQ'd. Aw, boo. He's Dairy Queen'd. He's out of here. That's a blizzard on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, the crowd fucking loves that Lex Luger is running away from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat with a chair. Yeah. He chases him all the way back up like their entrance ramp. <laughs> he's like all over the place with yep. it. He's like swinging at like guardrails. It was great. And like almost hitting the crowd and the crowd like backing up and freaking out. It was really awesome. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a really cool outing by both guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's like the perennial face. Yeah. So it was nice to see Luger play that up and be like this big heel. Yeah, it was liked awesome. It, it was a it. lot of fun. Uh, next, we have uh, what's going to be War Games. We get promos though from the Fabulous Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team. Brian, what did you think of this promo? Oh, God. 
I mean, we've talked a million times how bad Michael Hayes is. I hate Michael Hayes so much. Uh, the Samoans were, I guess, basically just animals. Oh, just in case you guys don't know, the Samoan SWAT team involves Rikishi. Yeah. Fatu in, mm-hmm. in that yeah. team is Rikishi yep. from WWF. Weird. Because I kept looking at him going, ah, I bet he's related to Rikishi in some way. And then I'm like, hmm. He is. It, about the most way you could be yeah. related to Rikishi, which is being him. That's him. That's Rikishi. Um, the promo that is cut here... The only thing I can tell you about is that Terry Gordy said that we're going to drop the bomb on Baltimore. <laughs> he was really excited. Terry Gordy is my favorite member of the Freebirds because he's not the best promo, but he's a good like slugger. Uh, but man, when he gets a promo, it's great. It's it's something. Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin talk to hear themselves talk. Oh God. They don't know when to stop. They don't know what they're saying. I couldn't tell you what they're saying. So there's no way that we could get a more insane promo than that. Yeah. That's it. No. It's impossible. Absolutely. So next we get a promo from Midnight Express. Pretty normal. It's like, hey, they're cut. We're letting you know we're going to take you guys out. And then here comes Dr. Death Steve Williams flying through. Yeah. Well, he's looking for birds. He's a bird hunter. Uh Uh-huh. And then he's looking for bug spray. Yeah, because he's going to spray it on the Samoan SWAT team. And then here come the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. What happened? I don't know. But the Road how, Warriors were awesome. How how could the second promo be crazier than the first <laughs> promo? It doesn't, it doesn't make I don't know. any sense. It's so good. Back to back. Those are like the best promos I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. They are loud mm-hmm. and nonsense, and mm-hmm. Dr. Death Steve Williams pretends to fly. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Cocaine was running heavy. Holy fucking shit. So, guys, we have a War Games match. Yep. Here's how the War Games works. Okay. Two rings. Cages with tops. Right. So, it's like a Hell in a Cell sty- like t- style thing. Mm-hmm. Two guys enter the ring. Mm-hmm. Every two minutes, somebody comes in. Right. From one from the heel side, one from the face side, but right. not at the same time. So it'll be like heels and faces, heels and faces, heels mm-hmm. and faces. One guy from each team. So there's at one point there's gonna be a two on one. Yeah. Or a three on two. Right. Or a four on three. Exactly. There's always that build. That's right. And guess how the match is booked? Where the good guys are the underdogs the of whole time. Course. The match cannot end until all ten men are in the ring. Mm-hmm. And then it can't end in pinfall, only in submission. Weird as fucking shit rules. Yes. The referee isn't inside the ring with them. Uh-uh. He has to come in so you know when the finish is happening because the referee comes in. That's how this match is. It was, it was 20 minutes uh-huh. of people wrestling uh-huh. for really no reason. Yes. And then five minutes mm-hmm. of an actual match. Uh-huh. What a dumb idea. Brian, listen. Bring back War Games. Why? Why? Brian... Bring back War they Games. They did. If you want War Games, watch Elimination Chamber. <laughs> Elimination Chamber is such a better version of War Games. Yes. Such a better version of because War Games. Because you know you're not going to have somebody win until all six men are in the ring. But? But it could uh-huh. happen that the first two guys get the pinfall mm-hmm. and there, then the there, match there, is over. There, though there could be elim- that's a, that's elimination. That's right. So somebody could be eliminated. Yeah. So someone could just run the table. Absolutely. But like... The way this match works is so weird. It, it's 20 minutes of, hey, we're just going to put these guys in a ring because we want to fill a card. And it just looks like shit. It did. And, like, they would all stay in, like, one ring. And it's like, to be there live, it must be a fucking headache. Yeah. It must just not be fun to watch. No. But I had a good time mm-hmm. every time a face came in to even the odds. Yeah. Which is how this is booked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton and Jimmy Garvin... They're your first two in the ring. Mm-hmm. And then Terry Gordy comes in next. So you have a two-on-one. That's right. But then Dr. Death comes in. So Dr. Death cleans house. But then Samu from the Samoans comes mm-hmm. in. So it's three on two. Right. But it's okay because Road Warrior Animal comes in. And Road Warrior Animal cleans house. And then right. it's, it evens up the odds. But then Fatu comes in, Uh-oh. which is Rikishi. Fatu gets the, the four-on-three. But it's okay because Sweet Sting comes in. Ah, and he cleans house. And then it's the four-on-four. Uh... They all stay in, like, one ring so much. They, like, don't use the other ring for anything. Mm -mm. It's so weird. Michael Hayes is the last of the heels to come in. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I thought he did a good job of being the big heel to come in at, like, the end and everything. Him, like, he's, like, you know, John at the crowd and, like, taunting uh, Hawk, who is still on the outside. 
The crowd keeps chanting, we want Hawk. Yeah. Man, they, they want Hawk, Hawk so bad. For him so much. Hawk comes in last, and he just fucking cleans house. He's on the goddamn warpath. It was awesome. Suplexes back, body drops, clotheslines, mm-hmm. railing dudes, throwing people. Big boots. It was, it was fun to see that kind of... Mm-hmm. You you it's like seeing a hot tag every four minutes. Yeah. So it's that's fun. Yeah. Uh this match is fucking mayhem. Mm-hmm. And then Hawk gets a hangman's choke on Jimmy Garvin, and you know it's the end of the match because the ref comes, the ref in. comes in and goes, Did you quit? Do you quit? <laughs> Do you quit? He quits. And he, quits. he rings the bell. So all the good guys win. Yay, good guys win. They all leave. They're all walking out. Mm-hmm. But then the bad guys jump animal, hold the door closed. And now all the bad guys are beating the shit out of Animal. Hawk can't get in. The Midnight Express can't get in. Dr. Death is trying to get in. They're climbing up to like the top of the cage. It's all locked up. They can't get in. Yep. They're beating the shit out of Animal. Eventually, the good guys rip the cage door open. They come in and they start trying to clean house, but the, the bad guys just leave. Yeah. So they, they saved Animal, but at what cost? Animal gets beat up bad. Bad. What do you think of that match? Uh, The last... About five, ten minutes of it were probably really, really good. And all the hot tags were really good. Mm-hmm. But there was just 20 minutes of, one, I don't know what's going on here. They explained the rules during the intro. You could not oh, hear the Oh, no. Rules. You know why you couldn't hear it? Because goddamn Bad Street USA by Michael fucking Hayes is playing so fucking loud. I hate that song. It, go listen to Bad Street by the Freebirds Don't. and put your head through a glass window. It's the worst garbage music. Was that the one that they debuted live on Night of Champions? Or I'm sorry, um Clash of Champions? No, no, that was a different that was a different single. Oh god. That was a different single, Brian. Maybe that was that one, but I don't think it was. Yeah. Either way, all those songs suck. They do. Everything Michael Hayes does sucks. I hate it. His goatee looks like it's falling off of his stupid face. He had a beard in this his one. His dumbass hair. I hate it. He was the manager of the Hardy Boys, and I still can't figure out why. What? When the Hardy Boys first came in, I guess we can talk about this real quick. When the Hardy Boys first came in, they were jobbers. Yeah. And then when they started getting a push, Michael Hayes was like their manager. Nobody yeah. remembers that. No, I don't. There you I go. remember when the Hardy Boys came in. Mm-hmm. And I remember they were like, yeah, they, they kept losing, kept losing. And then they found that whole TLC thing and yep. they got propelled to mm-hmm. the top. Right. Do you know right. Re- So what you're missing is the in-between losing and losing and losing and the TLC thing. Uh, they had a feud with The Brood and Michael Hayes oh, was yeah. their manager. They turned on Michael Hayes and joined The Brood after Edge and Christian left The Brood. That's and right. they were the new Brood. <laughs> there you go. Gangrel, who yep. owns the rights to The Brood. Yeah. A, and uh, his name. Co- uh, a copyright of White Wolf Incorporated. <laughs> so there you go there michael p.s hayes go back to bad street yeah. stay there please next we get a rick flair promo the main event is next and this is what we were talking about or what i brought up earlier when you're not selling your main event throughout the other matches mm-hmm. you don't really know what it is mm-hmm. but rick flair's promo here made me know like i was very aware yeah his vertebrae's messed up. If he takes a pile driver, he might be done. Mm. He's coming back too early. Might not be 100%. He says he's 120%. He said he wants revenge on Terry Funk. This That's isn't right. going to be a wrestling match. He's going to beat the hell out of him. Mm. There's bla- there's bad blood between these two guys. And all of that was discussed in one promo by Ric Flair. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Ric Flair is amazing on the mic this is a great instance of him not having to just be like goofy and weird and yelling yep he's being serious calm and Mm -hmm. quiet it was a really good promo seeing rick flair over the top and crazy is a lot of fun but seeing rick flair cut a really meaningful promo Mm -hmm. really interesting yeah because that's those aren't the promos that people remember but those are the promos that do a job yeah and they do a job really well and he does it well that's the reason he was the sixth time yeah at the time sixth time the only other people to do that i think I think the only other people, hang on, let's take that again. 53 and a half. Okay, <clears throat> I got it. At the time, the I think the only other people to be six-time champions, mm-hmm. I think they said Luthez and like... Our, not Arn Anderson. Was it Harley Race? Harley Race. I think yeah. I think those were the it's only Harley two. Harley Race and Luthez. So, Ric Flair is a 16-time champion now. Wow. But so is John Cena. Fif- uh, John Cena's 15, isn't he? You might, you might be right. He's 15. He hasn't matched Flair. Okay. So we talked about this while while the intros and everything were happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a 16-time champion 
then and now mm-hmm. is really different. I know the Flair won like a lot of weird championships, like in WCW, right. where he like won the title for like an hour yeah. or like a week. WCW was just poorly booked. Yeah, but to hold the title six times back then yeah. was incredible because it was defended not so rarely, but so in like so many different territories and have like the big televised matches and everything. Right. It wasn't like every Raw there's a title defense. Right. The title changes so often now because there always has to be some kind of like thing revolving around it. There's always a storyline for the right. title in every pay-per-view. Right. It wasn't like that at this time. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair winning it six times was like incredible. Yeah. Not, incredible. Not to mention we had for John Cena when he came up, he was right at the beginning of the brand expansion. Yeah. So he not only had the WWE championship to go for, but the World, World Heavyweight Championship. Yep. And yep. if you win one... It counts for both. It counts as two. Yep. So that that's that's the other thing that people don't consider. So it's um, it's cool seeing back in 89 where they're saying the old, like he's a six-time champion, the only other people are Luthez and yeah. Harley Race. Those are the people who do it. Yeah. Very cool. Big deal. Uh, very, very big deal. And Ric Flair looked cool as hell with that yes. belt. That purple... Woo, he looked great. Yes. Hot damn. Uh, Nate comes out. Well, I guess Terry Funk comes out. Mm-hmm. He comes down, cover, surrounded by security, comes out with Gary Hart, who's also a great mood as manager. Ric Flair comes out, has four women walking down to the ring with him, Woo. but that's okay. He's still stopping to kiss girls on the way to the ring. Styling and profile. God damn. So good. Mm-hmm. This match starts with a shot. They just, they're outside the ring and they're just going for yep. it. Yep. Terry Funk is nuts and will just take punishment, but just dish it back out. Damn. I don't think I've ever seen harder chest chops oh, more. God. They are blistering. They're so, so loud. loud and so back and forth. They're just killing each other with these chest chops. Man. I thought that the chest chops in the, in like the steamboat match were pretty good. Yeah. The flare Funk oh, yeah. chest chops were like. Uh, just head and shoulders right, above it. Right hands to chest chops, yep. like back and forth. Man, it was nuts. Killing each other. Mm-hmm. And they're so... God, they just have to hurt so fucking yeah, bad. Pop so loud. Yep, yep. Uh, there's almost a suplex to the outside of the ring. Ric mm-hmm. Flair lifts uh, Terry Funk, but they get all twisted up and they both fall to the outside, which I believe is intentional. Yeah. I don't think they fucked up the spot. No. Uh, I got really nervous when I saw that spot. I was super into this match. Me too. I mean, super into it. Yeah. I thought this was great. Yeah. Um... I was really nervous when they did that suplex spot because I thought Terry Funk was going to fucking die. Oh, me too. Holy shit. Man, even back then, he had paper-thin skin. He mm. looked so... I mean, because he was already older. He, he was he was a little but older here, both yeah. Both of these guys, let me remind... Like, I don't think we mentioned this, but I was saying it to Eric during the match. They're already in their 30s. Yep. Like, well into. Yeah. I mean, they kept hauling, talking about um, Funk being, like, the middle-aged wrestler. Yeah. It's like... You got to be about thirty-five to be middle-aged. Yeah, he said he was middle-aged and crazy. Yeah, so he's probably he's probably like pushing forty at this. Still point. Still wrestling at I think seventy. Yeah, he's like 60, 70? sixty something, seventy. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, yeah, he had to be he had to be pushing forty at this point. If not, if he wasn't older, God damn, I know. Uh, Flair pile drives Funk twice. Damn, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. He's focusing on the neck. He's like cranking it on the outside. Yeah, he drops like two knees and then just does like two pile drivers. Yeah. Funk sells like he's been shot. His like left arm isn't working. Mm-hmm. He's like carrying like his his body around. He's like crawling and stumbling. Yep, awesome. Mm-hmm. You can tell that Dean Ambrose takes a lot from him. Yeah, uh, just like the way that he's just out of control and weird, and you don't know where he's coming from. Right. Dean Ambrose takes a lot from y- that. You can definitely see that. Yep. Uh, figure four leg lock on Terry Funk. Uh, Funk gets out of it when Gary Hart tosses a branding iron to Terry Funk. Gets up on the apron, mm-hmm. the ref gets distracted, and then Funk just blasts Ric Flair with it. Yeah. Ric Flair's bleeding. He's always looks cool when he's yep. bleeding because his hair's all white and everything, yeah. and it's all pushed back through the hair. Yeah. Looks I really cool. Uh, so Flair's bloody. Funk pile drives Flair. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Now Flair hits Funk with the iron. Damn. Now Flair, now Flair and Funk are both bleeding. Right. They're on the outside. They're fighting, tossing Funk into the ring post and everything. Yeah. Hits that spinning toe hold on Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, Terry Funk does that spinning toe hold. I never really got it as a kid when I see it live, like when I see it on TV or whatever. Right. Always looks cool. It does. I, it just, it looks like you're really cranking on that foot. Yeah. Like really cranking on the ankle. Yeah. Looks awesome. I love it. He's going for the spinning toe hold again. Ric Flair reverses it. Looks like he's going for the figure four. But then Terry Funk reverses that into a small package. But then Ric Flair reverses that into his own small package. One, two, three. Funk loses Right. Ric Flair, still your champion, but wait. 
<gasps> the Great Muda comes out. That's right. Spits green mist into Ric Flair's face, and they beat the shit out of Ric Flair. They're just beating the hell out of him. Yep. Some head of security guy comes down, tries to stop him. Does not work. Does not work. Mm-mm. The whole time the crowd's chanting, we want Sting, we want Sting. And then boom, here comes the Stinger. The Stinger's going to put a stop to it. Kevin's favorite wrestler. Kevin's favorite wrestler, the Stinger. Uh, he's Don't worry, Brian. He's going to put a stop to it. He makes the save. Uh, Sting and Flair clean house, and then mm-hmm. that's the end of it. Oh, no, it's not the end of it. They're going to fight no. all over the arena. Uh-huh. Uh... But that's okay. Jim Ross is going to do a sign-off, and then that's the end of it. Oh, no, never mind. They're going to fight right behind Jim Ross uh, into the crowd. Um, but that's okay. Jim Ross is going to sign off now, and that's the end of it. Oh, no, here's Ric Flair with a promo. Yep. Ric Flair cuts a promo. He says he hasn't said thank you in the last 10 years, but he wants to thank Stinger. Mm-hmm. And Terry Funk, this isn't over. This isn't going to be over till one of us can't get up. Cool promo Absolutely. from Ric Flair, who looks fucking insane, covered in blood and green mist. <laughs> Jim Ross looks shocked. Yeah. Sting looks shocked. Yep. Ric Flair looks insane. That's why he's the man. Holy shit. Fantastic. Really, yep. really cool way to end a pay-per-view that had some ups and downs, but I didn't think the downs were low. No. I thought that the downs started low, and then it just built match to match. Yeah. Up, 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 up. It was a slow build mm-hmm. to a really cool few oh, matches. Yeah. yeah. There were four matches on here that I thought were really good. Yeah. Uh, for an older pay-per-view that was more wrestling than, you know, sports entertainment. Yeah. That's what you have to keep in mind, too. Sports entertainment's really different from this. This is super, like, underproduced. Yeah. Like, we'll do it on, like, a little budget. The crowds were hot. I'm sure it was probably only, like... 12 bucks to get in yeah. and 20 bucks for like ringside seats, yeah. you know? I think there were 14,000 people there watching that. Yep. It it was a cool yeah. it was a cool pay-per-view uh that WCW NWA was putting on at the time. Yeah. Um what did you think of the the whole thing overall? I thought it was you know, it was it was good. Yeah, I, I mean, you're a guy who didn't watch a lot yeah. of it. like this. I've seen a lot of this wrestling. I've gone back and I've watched mm-hmm. shit in like the 70s that's on like film and and yeah. I've watched stuff up now and it all all in between and everything. Yeah. I've never, I've seen, I think I've seen pieces from this pay-per-view. I've seen pieces from that Flair Funk match. Yeah. But I've never seen this pay-per-view on a whole. Yeah. I think it's really good and really well done for mm-hmm. an NWA pay-per-view. But you're a guy who doesn't really watch a lot of old wrestling. What'd you think? It was, it was very different time in wrestling. Things were a lot slower, a lot uh, bigger slam moves, like not as much like, like the match either had holds or it had slams. Mm-hmm. You didn't see a lot of like mixing it up like you see now, the closest thing to a match that you'll see now is the uh, tuxedo match. Yeah. Because there's a lot of not real wrestling. It was gimmicky and silly. Yeah. Um, but, man, yeah, it was actually really impressive. And that main event was really cool. Yeah. Like, Ric Flair, back in the day, against Terry Funk, who's, like, just great. Yeah. Really impressed by the type of wrestling that you'll see there. And the fact that they could continue to wrestle this long yeah i i agree i think there are underappreciated matches in here mm-hmm. i think that steiner's versus uh sullivan and rotunda match yeah is like really good yeah i think that match was a lot of fun that was i had fun. a really good time with that mm-hmm. match that steamboat luger match i've never heard anyone talk about yeah. i thought that match was great that was a great match i thought storytelling wise that is better than most of the stuff that you see with a heel and a face you knew definitively, even when like the crowd was like cheering Luger. Yeah. By the end, they were booing him. Absolutely. I loved it. Yeah. I thought that was a really, really great match. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the war game stuff, I'm not a huge fan of. Mm-mm. I don't like big gimmick match things like that. Uh, me neither. Uh, so it, that always like falls a little bit flat for me. Yeah. It's always exciting, and I was telling you this. I love big hot tag moments. Yeah. So you got that every so often, exactly. and, and that's like okay, that's cool, and that's the point of that. Yeah. Match. I would have rather seen those teams in individual like tag matches i would have rather seen yeah. you know the Freebirds versus uh the road warriors yeah. or like the midnight express yeah. you know what i mean but i mean would you have really wanted to watch the Freebirds wrestle a 10 15 minute match no probably not and that, I, don't, I don't want to see michael hayes do it and, and that's and that's kind of what it is it at this at that point i would say michael hayes is probably close to the end of his actual wrestling i, career, I think you're right? right yeah so you don't want to watch michael hayes no wrestle. no 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 but uh, recently, I was watching some older WCW stuff, yeah. and I did see a uh, Midnight Express versus uh, Samoan SWAT team match. Oh, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Like oh, it was yeah? really cool. Yeah, huh. it's um, 
really different from like a lot of tag stuff that you see. Cool. So uh, it was good. So I hope you guys enjoyed this paper review. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry we didn't have feedback. We're recording this one to put in the bank. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to put it up for you guys. And then hopefully you listen to this. You go watch the paper review and you send us your thoughts. Yes. At any given time. Even if you listen to this months afterwards. Absolutely. We want to know what you think because we want you guys to go back and watch the history of wrestling. Mm-hmm. See what older wrestling has to offer. It's very, very different. different. Uh, sports... Wrestling gave way to wrestling gave way to sports entertainment. Yeah, it's very different all through that. Yeah, and so what you got to see here was some wrestling. Yep. So let us know what you think. Go home show at mega64.com. Hit us up on Twitter at go home show on Tumblr the go home show and you can hit us up on Facebook facebook.com slash the go home show. Brian, that wraps up mm-hmm. our third paper review. That's right. What'd you think of it? I thought it was pretty good. I really like doing these things. Me too. We'll, we'll have to bank a couple more. Mm-hmm. We'll do some other fun things in the future. Uh, but guys, for now, I think that'll do it. Brian, you want too sweet me? Too sweet. You want any? You want to say anything to these folks? Yeah. You know, we're probably out of town uh, when this is coming out, so we, we got to get home. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Get Home no, Show. No, we got to get home. Thanks for listening to the Get Home. Uh, we're just talking shop here. It's cool. Are we, are we, are we talking shop? Yeah. We're talking shop like a couple of good brothers? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Get home. Get home. <laughs>